This is Scott Richmond and Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, a good Sunday morning to you. Scott, good morning to you. It seems like ages since uh, I've seen you. It, it hasn't been that long, but it just seems yeah. like a long time. How you been doing? Doing good. <laughs> keeping keeping warm in the cold. Yeah, the unpredictable weather that we're dealing with. I, I, I was flying back uh, from Las Vegas, and it took me two days to get back in because of... Uh, the uh, smog and the fog and whatever they call it, the inversion, right. it was crazy. So um, we're uh, very excited that the mayor is here today, this new mayor, Andrea Davis, yep. and uh, she just arrived, and we're going to have her uh, join us, and, and we're going to have a very, uh, I think, broad-ranging, wide-ranging uh, conversation with her about her first few months on the job. Her first appearance on What Do You Know? First and- of many. First of many, and uh, looking forward to welcoming first-time guest Andrea Davis, new mayor of Missoula, Montana, right after these words. Arnie, we are back with our first-time guest, Mayor Andrea Davis. Mayor Davis, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful, thanks. How about yourself? We're good. We're happy to have you here, and we're happy to find out a lot about your background and then your plans for the future and how you got here and all of those sorts of things. All right. So I, I do have to ask you, there was another f- female mayor of Missoula, 1947, Julia Gregory. She served for 24 months. What took so long to get number two? <laughs> I guess it just took that long for me to get up here. <laughs> <laughs> That's I never a good had a way chance to answer it. <laughs> I never had a chance to meet Juliet Gregory. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it's a really good question. I'm not even aware of any other woman that ran during that period, although I could be wrong. And I would love for somebody to let me know if somebody had entered the race in that time, but uh, not to my knowledge. You know, we have a we have a couple of uh, you know women leaders from that era. You know, congresswoman, and you know, and we had the had the mayor. So, how has your initiation been to this process? This is your first elected office, right? That's correct, exactly. So, how has this initiation been for you? Well, it it has been, it has been both things that I have expected and things that I never could have expected. Uh, running a campaign helps to some degree to prepare for office, but it is different obviously being a candidate and then actually being in office. And um, so the I, I call this mayor orientation time, even though I've taken office since, I've been in office since the 21st of November, right. which a lot of listeners may not know because I am filling the term of previous Mayor Engen. And how long does this term run, run now? Two years. And then you've got to run again, right? That's right. Exactly. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. I, I, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Candidate. With Robert Redford. And there's a scene in that movie where he wins, you know, he's the underdog and he wins the election. And at the very end, the, the press are all around him and he looks over at his campaign manager, who is played by Peter Boyle, and he mouths, What do I do now? <laughs> You know, and that's right. Campaign is completely different than running a city with hundreds of employees and budgets and issues and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but Arnie, your question before, I, you know, I, it makes me think that. It's important for me to say that while I was running, I think this is part of who I am as an executive and a planner um, and just thinking strategically was, especially after the primary, when, um, you know, I I had a, a pretty good size um, um, lead there with with uh, with uh, Mr. Nugent when we ran in, when we ran in the general, I 
I thought, boy, I better get serious about what this, and I was serious, of course, the whole time about what it was going to look like starting out in terms of what I, what, where would I, what would be day one, what would be the first few months, and starting to think about the policy work and how I was going to connect with the staff, the senior leadership team of the city, um, in order to start working together. Um, one of the things that was, I, I expected that I would be blown away with the busyness of the schedule and the city, but I'm surprised at just how relentless the wow. schedule and the demand is. Um, and I, you what know, time I, does your day start? You know, actually, my day doesn't start until about eight thirty because I do take time in the morning. I try to get a little exercise because it does not happen any other time. Right. I used to be able to even previously take some walks, and I think that'll happen again. But right now, I'm pretty much um, sedentary during the day, and that I don't love. You know, I like to get out and move around if I can, but meetings come to me mm. because the mayor's office is a conference room. So it's fortunate that I can schedule so many meetings during the day. And, you know, we're bouncing from anything from unexpected circumstances, of which, you know, there are many that come your way as, as the mayor and as the city of Missoula, to uh, scheduled meetings with constituents, business leaders, other elected officials, you know, including city council. We have 12 city council members, and I'm committed to meeting with them routinely. And, um, and we're scheduled, um, you know, basically every two weeks together. And so, um, and then staff, staff meetings. So um, that is something that uh, we're working on continuously is how to manage a schedule that is manageable. How has your family adapted to this? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. It's a real factor. I mean, I think, you know, every elected official out there would, would agree that um, your family joins you know right. the cause, and in particular with a role like the mayor and the mayor of Missoula, it's a it's a it's a big job. It's a very public facing position, and um, so we're doing well. Uh, my husband Dennison has been very supportive of me, and he has really um, changed his schedule in ways that help support me. So this morning I had a dermatologist appointment before I came here and um, it was early. I had to get there at 745. So we, you know, he made sure he packed up my breakfast and my lunch and, my, you know, sent me out the door right. because he's supporting me as, as best as he can. And um, is there stress and is there things, we, are there things we have to work through? Absolutely. Some of the challenges I think that um, many people face are aging parents or raising children. And I have two aging parents um, in the in the Kalispell area in, Fl in Flathead. And so uh, working on, on how to manage my schedule and ability to get up there physically and, and all that. So it's sure. a work in progress. You've been mayor now roughly three months. Mm -hmm. Are you being now recognized and stopped on the street by constituents who have advice for you. Missoulans are great about giving advice out to, to elected officials. Is that starting to happen? Absolutely. <laughs> we went to the grocery store recently before heading over to a friend's house for dinner. And <clears throat> this is funny. I said to my husband, I'm going to come in with you. And he said, oh, you're going to come in? Because he thought, we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> but it all worked out just fine. Um, but it's true. Yeah, absolutely. People certainly um, approach me and... And most of the time, people are fantastic and great. In fact, so far, people have been wonderful. And uh, but it is a decision you have to make. You know, sure. am I going to go out to a like a busy restaurant, for example, and know that we may not have a quiet dinner together? Uh, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, but hmm. but uh, the other day I was at a, a an event for fun. It wasn't a 
it wasn't a city sanctioned event or something. I was there as the mayor, but you are the mayor everywhere you go. Right. right? So, so I was at a friend's slideshow presentation. My, my friends, um, Heather and Jake Krylik own Lake Missoula tea company mm. and they go and they source tea from directly from farmers all over the world. And they had a really great presentation on a trip they just did in Nepal and India, and they wanted to highlight the Red Panda Network, which is basically a group of uh, Nepalese that are growing tea in mm. the, the jungles of, you know, in, in Nepal and um, working to save the Red Panda, which is an endangered species. And, um, and so this is a great conversation about how sustainable business can support, you know, larger, um, larger efforts and conservation. So uh, this woman said to me, you look very familiar. <laughs> and I said, oh. and, and before I could say anything, my, my friend Heather said, well, this is the mayor. And the woman was so embarrassed. And I thought, oh, my gosh, don't be embarrassed. Like, it's only been a few months. You've only either right. seen me on TV or in the newspaper, potentially. Right. People look different in person. So it's kind of funny. But So you run a uh, community-based organization for 15 years. That's right. You decide you're going to change and run for public office. You go through a whole campaign, you know, it's it's contested, you have, you know, people running against you, multi people, you finish on top. You end up getting 60% of the vote, which, you know, is about what John Engen was getting after 16 years of political experience. So walk me through how you decided to run and and maybe even more importantly, how did you pull that off? <laughs> Well, uh, well, how I pulled it off is charisma, baby. <laughs> um, so why did I d decide to run? Over the course of several years, uh, friends and professional colleagues, mentors, supporters of mine have encouraged me to run for public office. And I've always somewhat, you know, said, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe someday, you know, but didn't really ever lean into that seriously. Partly, mostly because I was so committed, and still I'm so committed, to the career I had for 22 years. Um, now, obviously, I'm committed to a whole different career. Right. And um, I, I got so much out of the work that I was doing that I felt very fulfilled, and I also was working in the policy space. I mean, it's very um, dynamic and had a lot of variety to it. When the opportunity came to consider um, running for mayor, and when there was an application process in the fall of 22, people had asked me then, and I was not ready because we were working on very significant projects at the time for Homeward, and I chaired the Montana Housing Coalition. And so I was uh, preparing on launching uh, a legislative agenda for the 2023 legislative session, and so I just could not take my eye off the ball. But when the when that was uh, fall, of, or excuse me, winter of 2023, I then had a group of <clears throat> uh, good friends and colleagues and folks in the community who came to me and and um, and just said, would you please consider running? We really believe that your leadership and the way in which you have helped build Homeward Up and the work that you've done is, is exactly what we need in the mayor's office now. And Missoula um, is ready for something like your leadership. And so we they did an exploratory um, campaign. They actually reached out to friends and they reached out to other colleagues and they basically got a sense of, do you think this person is a good candidate? And it came back um, astoundingly, yes. And so um, I thought long and hard and that's when I chose to lean into it. And so um, I do work hard. That is a part of my personality. Mm -hmm. And when I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. 
And so I was a first-time candidate. I mean, starting a campaign is like starting a small business. And there are hmm. all sorts of things like one of the first things you need to do is open a bank account and file for an employment identification number. You know, little right. things like that, that you have got to just like get the foundation of starting a campaign, let alone all of the who's going to help you. Do you hire this person? How are you going to fundraising? Oh, yeah. And then there's policy and strategy and right. all the pieces. We had such an incredible group of people join this campaign that were enthusiastic about um, me running. And um, and also there were a lot of people that were very interested in, in having a, a woman candidate. Um, there was uh, a real, um, I mean, a strong group of people that supported me in a way that um, they, people put in thousands of hours is, is all I can say. And in a lot of ways, this campaign was a kitchen table campaign and it had this grassroots momentum that was something right. I've never experienced before. That you must, could, palpable energy. That must have been very gratifying to see all of these people who, some of them you hold in esteem, they're willing to just volunteer mm -hmm. to give you guidance and direction and be passionate about seeing you get elected as mayor of Missoula, Montana. Exactly. I mean, you know, utilizing their connections and their contacts, introducing me to people. Because as you said, I'm a first-time um, elected official. So while my name was certainly well known in some circles, not all circles at all, right? right? And um, and so it took a lot of extra effort to really get up out into the public and then be known to where people are talking about you and then talking about your credentials and um, and the the very possibility of you serving in this role. And so some of the things I I, I think about in terms of um, the scale of the win, which is an enormous, humbling experience. 60% in politics <laughs> is a landslide. That's <laughs> yeah. tremendous. Yeah. yeah. And doing it all in, in grassroots and retail mm -hmm. politics being kind of your mechanism to do that, that takes a ton of work. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You got to have stamina for that. Yeah. Ab you know, you're you right. work out in the morning. And she's relatively young. You know, yeah. she's not like... The two uh, heavyweights belting it out for who's going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, you, you, um, you know, I'm, and I, I don't take it lightly that I am filling the role of late Mayor John Engen, of somebody who I had great esteem and friendship with for yeah. many years. And I, I've been in the affordable housing industry for 22 years before stepping into the mayor's role. And so I knew John, um, actually, bef right before he took... Right, right as he was taking his council position, because we were working with him um, wow. um, at, at when I was at the housing authority as, as his ad agency um, when he was <laughs> doing marketing, and and um, so it was really amazing to work alongside him in ways um, outside of the city, but still work alongside him in all of his years of leadership. And so, you know, to 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 recognize that yes, I had some of the same voter share or similar voter share that he did. I think. That's because John and I both have the ability to connect with people in ways that help people feel hopeful and yeah. folks are inspired. And that's a very unique thing that an elected office yeah. gives right. to people. Often that's true. People are get elected on a sort of a negative note. We don't we hate this other person mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. you know, but in this case it was a positive. Who's the best person? Because we, you weren't running against an incumbent, and you weren't challenging somebody really that was, uh, you know, that was a fixture. Exactly. 
So it was, a, it, it, was, it was a positive kind of campaign. Let me switch from the campaign for a section. So yeah. you get elected. Yeah. There are orientations, and I know, I, I believe you went to Harvard for an orientation on, you know, being an elected official. I did. As most congressmen, you know, senators, governors all go. What was that experience like? You were with a whole cadre of people that were in a similar position as you. Was that an interesting experience? Did you share commonalities with some of the other people that were there? I mean, how did that play out? It was really interesting. Uh, it, it's an opportunity that we got here in Missoula because the Bloomberg Foundation, um, they have a program for cities. And it's because Mayor Bloomberg, having been the city, uh, the, the mayor of New York City, and coming from the private sector, right. realized, wow, there's not a whole lot of support for an incoming mayor. And it's true. You know, I think about having been an executive director for 15 years and, um, and then also just even my for-profit CEO colleague friends there is a process or a support system by which there are programs and, mm. and, and things that help a CEO or an executive director transition into that uh, large job. But I don't think there's really much of that for somebody like a mayor. And you're the only person with this position in right. this community. Right. So it was such a wonderful opportunity to collect with 26 other mayors that were incoming to their role. So, some people had already taken office, like myself, when I arrived there in December. Um, but most were taking office in January. And it, it ranged from small communities up to large communities. One of, um, you know, like the, the mayor of uh, Philadelphia was there and the mayor of Chicago and um, the mayor of Beaumont, Texas. And so, um, you know, it was it was very it was kind of a behind the scenes opportunity. It really was about your transition as mayor. So That's a lot great, of it. Though. Yeah. I mean, you asked the question earlier about how is this impacting your family? And that was part of the conversation, right? It's not only planning your transition in terms of like, what are you walking into? What are the circumstances right. that you have been elected into office under, you know, the status of your community, the circumstances um, that are impacting your, your community. But then um, things that sound as simple as managing your time, and they actually have a, a, a toolkit, a way in which you can uh, parcel out your time in ways that you want to spend it, and then you give that to the, your schedule, to the person that actually right. schedules your time. <clears throat> it aligns with my priorities. Right. And, um, cause it's, and I'll tell you, it's like a little bit of a wrestling match, because the reality is the schedule will just overtake you. You. Sure. That's just sure. how it works. You know, Let's and that's do a quick ID. Our okay. guest is Mayor Andrea Davis of Missoula. So aren't you glad you're not mayor of Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> I do have to tell you one mayor story about how all that differs. Many moons ago in the last century, I, I was uh, uh, um, sort of the head of, a, of an organization that was creating these safe Halloween programs. It was called Kids Day. and We had a great tagline called Treat Them Right. Nice. And mayor, the, the conference of mayors adopted it. So okay. the mayor at that time of L.A. was Tom Bradley. And he asked me to talk about it. So I go to L.A. I was in Kansas City at the time. I go to L.A. and get to his office. And his office was, it was this, you get to a secretary in the front and you get to another receptionist closer by. And then there's this long hallway. It almost looks like a prison corridor with all these doors. And they walk you down the end of the corridor. And then... The door opens, and I'm not. This I'm sure this was a ceremonial office, but his desk was up on a podium <laughs> with a spotlight. I'm not exaggerating. With a spotlight shining down on it is L.A. Him. Arnie. It is L.A. Yeah, 
And he was, you know, a man of color, but he, he was like carved out of ivory or ebony wow. or whatever. He, and he was sitting behind this big desk. I, I just felt like I was at Oz and this was the Wizard wow. of Oz. And he had this deep voice, and it was just the most intimidating situation I'd ever been in. Yeah. Obviously, Missoula's run a little bit differently, yes. but that's how the mayor of Chicago Are back, decorated in, back in that era, yeah, back in that era operated. Well, that, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, one of my colleagues from the 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 Harvard um, Bloomberg program right. had said that they so is is a mayor of Akron, Ohio, and he had. Um, uh, invited people back. We had, had like a check-in. We've had periodic check-ins with each other since we concluded our time in December. And um, there had been several meetings back in the office with staff, with city staff. And one city employee of 15 years had said, wow, I've never been in the mayor's office before. And mm. I thought that was really interesting. Um, the city of Missoula, just the actual community here, as you know, has grown over um, right. over this last several years and, and decades. And, um, and, Consequently, as has the city government as a result of just, you know, for example, there used to be a conference room across the hallway from the mayor's office called the mayor's conference room. That is now the human resource department. Right. And so the, there's now a large conference room in the mayor's office, which is great because people are in my office all day long, both, you know, constituents and people from the public, but also staff. Um, what that does mean, though, is that I'm not walking out of my office at all. And that has been a surprise to me because I thought that I would take office and immediately be out walking around City Hall and all other owned city buildings. We have public works, ancillary buildings and wastewater and all right. those things, fire department stations. I thought for sure I would be out and about more, but I'm not. I'm actually in that office quite a bit as the a whole result, day. Pretty much. You know, I, I want to go back to Mayor Engen for a second. One of the things that Arnie and I discovered when we had spoken with Mayor Engen over the years was he found a, a, a different gear or something that he liked doing as mayor that he didn't think was, you know, part of, you know, natural to him, which was this whole notion of business development, developing businesses and, you know, property and trying to lay out the city and plan the city. And he really, I remember he leaned into that in a big way. Is there something in the first three months that you've discovered in this job that you really love? And you're like, I didn't know I would, that would be my thing. Oh, gosh. Well, that is that's that's Pot, a hard potholes. Yeah, you love potholes. <laughs> potholes. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I that, that is an excellent question because I feel like the answer is yes, and it's this, but I don't really have my finger on it yet. Partly because I You're am finding out. I'm finding out um, some of the things that's been really, really cool for for me to un, to understand better is. I have been. I've already done a ride along with the police department, and I've been doing the. Um, I have been doing the Citizens Law Academy, and um, that has been really helpful because, in so many ways, Missoula. I mean, we have a very forward-thinking approach to public safety and and law enforcement, but public safety, both including law enforcement and our fire department, and um, and given just where we are in 2024. Yeah. With the national politics being so contentious around law enforcement, and then some of the challenges that we face as um, a, a, both a community here in Missoula, but everywhere, with just you know, kind of the struggles with uh, societal um, um, tensions. Right. Um, I I have 
I, I knew this going in a bit, but I know it a lot better now of just in terms of the the culture by which our police department operates is something that Missoulians should feel really proud about. We are doing things like we have a crisis um, uh, intervention team training and process that we are working on how to train not only our officers, but also just law enforcement and public safety's approach to behavioral health. Right. And given the status of um, demand for greater attention to behavioral health in the United States. Um, it's a really important part of local government to be um, conscientious and working intentionally around this. So that's something to me that's been a really nice eye-opener in a lot of ways. I, it's like I knew it was there, but now understanding it more has been a real pleasure to see the effort behind all that work. I always thought it would be cool to have a fire department and a police department under you know, under my control. Yeah. But fortunately, I've never been in that situation. <laughs> or unfortunately, I've been in that, never been in that situation. You have over 800 employees in the city. Yes, yes. And you have a city manager, which is sometimes a unique kind of situation. You have a senior administrative person who's run the city and was running the city before you got there. What's your relationship with the city manager? Well, and technically he's not a city manager, oh. as would be the, the traditional. So there is a, there is one administrative appointee right. by the mayor that does not have to be approved by council right. per our city charter. Right. And that is the chief administrative officer. Mm -hmm. And the person that is in that role is Dale Bickle. Right. He's and been there for a while. He's been there, yep, yeah, for close to 10 years. Yes. And he's been with, uh, he was with the county of Missoula before right. that, so close to two decades with local government. And um, he is incredibly skilled and smart. Um, he, it's fantastic working with him every day. He, want, you know, in the mayor's office, um, we have Dale Bickle, who's the chief administrative officer right. and when you look at a, a, a org chart it would be the mayor and then it would be the CAO right, right. and then everybody else underneath right. uh, underneath him and um, but of course I'm working one-on-one -on -one with folks like our communications director Jenny Merriam who's in the who's in the MO as we call it and then uh, we have Heidi Bakula who is our administrative um, uh, assistant, and she's somebody that is not only doing all my scheduling, but she's doing a, a host of other things for that whole mayor's office. And then we all also have a digital um, uh, specialist who does like all of our website work, Jessica Miller. And um, so, but in our office, there's just four of us. And some of the things that we were, I was actually joking with my husband about this because people have this notion that like, Oh, I don't know, because, you know, property tax tension is high and, you know, the the thought that, you know, government overspends in so many different places that we must have golden doorknobs up there. And um, I was teasing with Jenny that now I'm working back downtown again and I'm doing my dishes in the bathroom again. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that brings up an important, I, I think, point. You got four people in the office, right? It's a city. You got 800 employees. Mm -hmm. You got... You know, 80,000 people. You got the university. I mean, it's an interesting, it's a university town. I've worked in my past in a corporate town where one big employer is, dominates the marketplace. And in Missoula, it's kind of the university. Mm -hmm. So you have all of that going on. And when, and when you ran for office, you talked about that, you know, you wanted to provide a different kind of leadership to Missoula. How does an office of four people provide that kind of different leadership? Oh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, you really nail um, the head uh, <laughs> that it's, it's, it's challenging to do that with limited capacity. Um, and that, that is a challenge that the city has. There is, you know, there is so much demand. It's pretty, uh, it's amazing to see the variety of different topics and issues that uh, the city engages with 
or that the constituents engage the city with. And whether those are core issues like filling potholes and you know putting in water lines and making sure that the snow is plowed or de-icer is, is put on the ground, um, or also helping people bury their loved one at a cemetery, right? Mm. I mean, the, the range of things is extensive. Or supporting other elected officials in city council chambers and mm. um, running, you know, running meetings of where people are bringing all sorts of issues to the forefront, some of which we have nothing to do with in terms of jurisdictional, but they want us to hear their thoughts, opinions. And, right. and, um, and so my, the, when I was talking about a different kind of leadership, what I was, what I was articulating is that I have developed a skill set over the years of being an executive that has been highly effective when it comes to leadership on complex issues. Um, affordable housing is a very challenging and forever changing issue that is sort of always out of our grasp, right? We are in a socioeconomic structure in the United States, let alone where we are here in Montana, that make it so um, housing affordability continues to be a, a, a really big issue across the spectrum for different income earners, people that are working, people that are learning, people that are retiring. And so that adaptive leadership is something that takes um, a, a mindset that allows, um, that really works on the, the, the people connection to build up the folks around you or to work with the, the people around you to have the greatest impact on this issue that you're working on. You know, my, my, um, area, the skills that I've developed over time and that I believe have led to my positive leadership have been such that I'm a good listener. Um, I learn from people. Um, I really do uh, work on trying to build up the people that I work with around me. People have said that I'm a hands-on leader and I know when to step back and not try to muddle in people's business, but I'm also not afraid to roll my sleeves up and, and do the work itself. Um, the um, Homeward that I just stepped away from after 15 years is now a two-time winner of the job services employee of employer of choice, right. and I uh, want to strive for that same type of excellence at the city. And when you are working on such challenging issues as the city does undertake, and there are struggles, right? There are people that are frustrated with government. There are people that are frustrated with the city. Maybe you're not getting your pothole filled. You know, there are things that people are like, you know, they, and, and because local government is there, right? Accessible to every citizen. Sometimes, you know, the, the staff can really take a load um, right. of stress. Sure. And so really trying to make sure that I have their back in that sense. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by positive leadership is not being, um, not being Pollyannish, but it is being able to help create positive momentum and organizational change moving forward. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you translate complex issues? Because it's one of the things that you talked about. Translate complex mm -hmm. issues for people that may be in disbelief or may be skeptical, and reaching across the aisle in a you know literal and you know figurative sense to bring more people to build coalitions because that's key for a mayor, right? You're the center point for the city. Right. So how do you do that? Yeah. Thank you for asking. That's something I, I developed <clears throat> quite a bit of experience with when I was the chair or working with the Montana housing coalition and just the work I did over time. I mean, we expanded homeward <clears throat> from working in Missoula and Billings to now 14 different Montana communities. So we were working in different Montana communities um, of different scale and type and, um, and there is a lot of bias when it comes to the 
the actually the terminology affordable housing. Mm-hmm. I tend to not use it because um, there are so many innate biases associated right. with that. And really, it's homes that Montanans can afford. When I would talk about the work that we were doing, so for example, here in Missoula, um, <clears throat> right before I became mayor, we concluded a finished up a project called the Trinity Apartments. It's 202 apartments on two separate pieces of property. And 30 of those, so they're all um, income restricted or deed, 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 the, rent is, the rent is restricted. Mm-hmm. To people that are earning anywhere from 12 to $22 an hour. So if you look in the paper today, that's going to be folks that work up and down Reserve Street, people that are probably in this building, right. folks that um, probably just checked me in at the dermatologist's office. Right. So that's one way I do it is to really help break down what I'm talking about. And that is something that also is um, one of the things that I was talking about with like a change in leadership is really trying to help break down complex issues in ways that people can understand it and then relate to why those issues matter to them and, um, and then what they can do what agency they have to to why do they care about it? What can they do about it? How do you how do, an issue like behavioral health, which you brought up before, which is such a complex and esoteric issue for a lot of people, they can't get their head around it. They don't see it as a a, a plight on you know it's a problem. Or it's they say, why should my tax dollars right. go to something like that? Right, you're, you're you're exactly right, and I think because how do you help with that? Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we need to do, and I need to be better in this space too, is is using language that isn't so jargony. Right. Behavioral health is sort of a jargony word. Right. And that I think a lot of people would say, well, that's not me. And I think when we can say, well, what we also mean by that is that when we have students that are attending public school that have anxiety. Because of, let me just say it, school shootings. Right. There was just two mass shootings again yesterday. Yes. I mean, we as, and, and this in is something that, that in Kansas City, and then there was another, there was a school shooting in Atlanta. Yeah. But look at that. So right. this is so, this is so unfortunately um, happening at such high, high uh, frequency. We don't even track everywhere it's happening. Isn't that amazing? It's crazy. It's well, crazy. it's not only it's crazy. It's, it, it leads to people saying, I don't want to be in crowds anymore. Yes, this was a, yes. the one in Kansas City where 22 people were wounded. Jeez. and one That was at a Super Bowl celebration. That's sad. sad. You know, I mean, I don't want to be in a huge crowd anymore yeah. myself. I'm going to be looking around at rooftops. Yeah, and so the way the why I say to you know folks that are listening to the radio show about like why we need to care about this and why it matters to you is because you're – child, your grandchild, your niece or your nephew may not be attending school because they have such significant anxiety related to some of these issues. Mm. And this is very true. And so uh, all these, the, the school system, of course, is having to um, change and, and conform to new learning um, uh, methodologies by which students mm-hmm. can still get an education. But the, the behavioral health aspect of, of managing anxiety, right. depression, and fear it is not just people that are quote unquote mentally ill, right? I mean, and right. th- these are we're talking about people no. that are everyday folks, and we're talking about our littles all the way up to folks that are our seniors that sure. um, potentially are are managing something that does not allow them to be as um, productive citizens. And that's what we want. So I would say if you if you care about your kids, your grandkids, your niece, your nephew, in this example, right? Then that's it's why we care as a community. In this example, I would say... Why we have to care. Why we have to care. I mean, it's about the betterment of who we are. It's about our our health and safety and who we are as a community. Well, it's also... I was going to say, it's also, you know, the... 
the the answers that he used to placate people are just not acceptable anymore. For example, Kansas City, which has happened, there were 800 safety officers that were armed in the crowd. They didn't stop this person from shooting. Right. You know, so these the idea that you're going to have an armed guard at the school is going to make everybody feel right. good is, is not the answer anymore. We know what happened in Ovala and other places. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Let me, let me switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the other issues that you uh, that you're dealing with as mayor, and I want to start with one that you mentioned, which is, you know, I think really important, the affordable housing issue, which you know yeah. a lot about. I've traveled all over this country, and I do travel a lot, and I travel every month, and in every community I go to, affordable housing is the issue. Yes. No one has an answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can push it this way, but there's a you know group that doesn't like it being pushed that way. You know, there are costs associated with construction costs that keep going up that you don't have much control over, particularly during an inflationary climate. You know, mm-hmm. you have uh, mm-hmm. you have the, the change in the population where where people who are working at home are moving to places like Missoula and, and bringing in outside income and are willing to spend more money on housing. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you have people who want to sell their properties for more, or <laughs> rent them for more, you know. So, you know. Plus, you're in a situation where 60% of the vote is a landslide for an elected official, but that means 40% didn't vote for you. So mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, they're looking at through a microscope. Mm-hmm. So how do we, on this issue, which, you know, which you're knowledgeable about, how do we come to something that, you know, that, that resonates but also deals with the problem in an incremental way? Thank you for teeing up the question so well. I mean, I think you articulated some of the, the very huge challenges by which the city doesn't have really anything to do with, you know, when it comes right. to lumber prices, despite somebody calling and actually making a complaint to the mayor's office uh, recently about lumber prices. <laughs> right. Sure. I mean, they're going to complain um, to the mayor's office about anything yeah, they can complain yeah, about, right? Yeah. So there's all these external standards. And I think, you know, this is one example of the many issues that the city has a role in, but is not in control of. And uh, we are doing several things that I am eager to see finished through. So one of the things that the city has been working on since before I took office is code reform. And and it was identified, you know, uh, several years ago that we have several mismatched codes. Um, there are things that are just not in alignment that cause a lot of consternation, both for our, our development community, even you and I that just want to build a garage, and then, of course, the staff implementing this. So that process is underway, and it will be completed at the end of 24 with a finished product in early 2025. It's not happening early enough for a lot of people, and I recognize that. And at the same time, we're making sure that we have the opportunity to engage different neighborhoods and people to have some buy-in on development codes that we mm-hmm. anticipate changing, including zoning. So let's take, for example, one of the things that sounds really good, but when you put the ordinance together and put it on the ground, um, it can cause some uh, it can cause some issues with neighbors, coffee shops, and uh, different um, eateries in different in different neighborhoods. Now, I think that's a wonderful opportunity in a lot of ways because it it really does build community and it allows for a walk. You know, all the things that that go along with a mixed use neighborhood also incorporate walkability, which means that kids are people are healthier. We're all healthier. We're getting out. We're seeing our neighbors. Um, But of course, you've got people that say, I don't want to live next to something loud. I don't want the parking. And, you know, the reality is it's a fear of the unknown. And so we we need to work through what. Um, things could look like? How do we mitigate these impacts? And yet, how do we welcome change that we know is coming? 
um, because these types of changes that we'll be putting forward through the development code update will allow us to achieve a number of other goals. One of the other significant goals or lenses that we look through in, in the city is climate. And, um, and we know our built environment. I mean, I've just been doing this for 22 years. Homeward had a major focus on sustainable development. And how we build out our communities impacts the way we impact our climate. Of course, right? right. It makes sense. You either drive everywhere. And, and not to say that we're going to exclude vehicles. People are always going to have cars. And, and vehicles will be part of our system. Right. But the more choices we have, then we have the ability to potentially put less um, emissions and smog into the air. And, hey, maybe we're just a little healthier because we scoot around on our feet or our bikes. And um, so that's one reason. That's it. But I, I want to... Stop on that just for a second. Okay. That's an important issue that most people don't even think about, that the city does have a role in this climate change and mm-hmm. climate issues, which, which we see in the last you know, year or two, dramatic changes. I just flew into Missoula and tried to get in for two days because we were you know, fogged in. Yes. And the pilot told me he's been a pilot for 40 years and he hasn't ever seen the kind of weather changes he's seeing now wow. around this region. Sure. Wow. It's completely unpredictable. Yeah. And most people would not think that the city could do something that might, you know, mitigate some of these things. I mean, you can't control, obviously, the bigger picture, but a lot of people who have been with naysayers for years that there is no climate change, there's no, you know, it's not true, and we're seeing the impact of it. And, you know, some of the policies as we grow and expand the community – that has to be taken into consideration, right? Absolutely, it does. And, I mean, you bet. I mean, for anybody to feel defeatist that that this issue is too large and it's outside of our control, yes, granted, there are things that need to be happening at all local, state, federal, and international levels. But we absolutely have the opportunity to, to impact what we can control, change, and incentivize here. Back to housing affordability, when we do create more opportunities for what we call the missing middle. So right now, most housing markets are really missing the middle. And what I mean by that is that Mm. there are federal uh, housing programs or even local here where we've got different funding or financing programs that might build apartments or home options for people that are earning low wages. And so that might be anybody that's earning, let's just say $15 and below. Okay. Just as a, because that would be considered actually low wage for somebody that's, especially in this market. And those might be deed restricted. I was just telling you about the Trinity, um, Mm -hmm. which I I didn't finish my story about that. I should probably finish that, but, um, and, (laughs) and, and then, and then there are folks, then there are, you know, you're purchasing a home or rent, renting an apartment for $2,500 now, or you're purchasing a house for $450,000. There's this missing middle of people that are earning Let's just say fifty-five, sixty thousand dollars a year, forty, forty thousand dollars a year. You know, there's our beginning professionals, right. right? Beginning teachers. Where are they buying a home in the city of Missoula right now? Pretty much nowhere. Right. You know, our housing market has basically evaporated for people that are that are some of the folks that are are, are just, I mean, absolutely essential workers. And uh, and so if we can create the zoning type and our development code is more predictable and easier to understand. We can build things like more townhomes. I would love to say it's the old brownstone style house, but building with masonry is fairly expensive these days, but you Mm -hmm. never know what you might see. But where we actually may see a different kind of product on the market that allows people to gain equity through home ownership or other ways in which they're able to, to put down roots in Missoula, stay here and continue to do the good 
work that we need, whether it be public school teachers, whether they be the host of different businesses that have expressed their concern to us about not only not being able to retain employees, but also being able to attract new employees as a result of this. Well, homeownership, financial viability and vitality is, is should be afforded to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, right, yeah. doing that has such impact right. on a community. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And so the other thing, you know, Going back to the point about the city not having full control over this, we're part of the mix, right? Like, what's our role in this? Uh, the city has put out an affordable housing trust fund. We have we have a housing policy. The city of Missoula has a housing policy called a place to call home. Um, I was really pleased to be part of that steering committee in 2019 to help put it together. And there's a host of strategies within that. One of the strategies was to create an affordable housing trust fund, and that is a local pot of money that we can use to leverage other funding, uh, other funds, other resources, and actually build the kinds of homes that have been targeted as gaps, what I was just talking about. Right, right, right. So the city puts in $100,000 a year out of its general fund, because quite frankly, we just don't have a lot of room in our general fund, but we are committed to that. The other way, though, that we're able to receive money into that affordable housing trust fund, I mean, quite frankly, philanthropy could come into it. If somebody wanted to make a donation of a million dollars, come on in. It, th- that, that money would be used in a way that we could leverage other dollars. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Our guest is Mayor Andrea Davis. Back after this. Arnie, we are back with Mayor Andrea Davis. Mayor, finish your last thought because I have something else I want to ask you about. Great. Thank you. My last thought is one of the ways the city can help continue to impact home affordability and opportunities for Missoulians is through strategic land banking. We have done that over the years, and one of the projects that are currently underway is the Scott Street parcel over on the north side. That was a piece of property that was a super fun site, and the private market was not able to clean that up to residential standards. Now we will have 90 community land trust homes, half of those, 45, will be income restricted to people that are earning, gosh, anywhere from 60 to 140% of the area median Mm. income, which means a big swath of Missoula's workers. We'll also have uh, market rate apartments there, and then there will be a new park. So there are ways that we can actually provide infrastructure and home opportunities through strategic land banking. So that's another point I wanted to make. That is important. Be remiss if I didn't ask you about streets, <laughs> cleaning, potholes. You know, it always seems to be this time of year, particularly a major issue. Yeah. Tell me what your thoughts okay. are on this. Well, this, of course, is a core and essential service, right, that right. the city provides for our residents. And as we grow um, and demand um, increases, it's one of the things that we continually have to balance. The reality is we live in a northern climate. And I will say we talked about climate change earlier. Climate change absolutely has an impact on asphalt and cement. And so, you you know, all of the freeze-thaw cycles, all of the heaving has definitely increased the chances for asphalt to break up and potholes to be created. Um, And there is also just the weather itself. So one of the things it's interesting to to say, and and it's, it's important to note, is that it all comes back down to taxpayer money. And so if we wanted to buy more plows and hire more people to continually keep our streets perfect all the time, it would cost too much money. And it would be something that I don't know that taxpayers would want to support. So part of the reality is we do the best we can and we have an incredible public work staff. We have a deputy director there that is such an amazing um, 
person that puts his engineering skills to work, but also he's out there doing the hard work himself. And we have, for example, in 2023, they filled 11,000 potholes in total. We had a big winter in 23. This year, we've had a light winter, right? So this year alone, just in half a year, we've already filled 8,500 potholes have been patched. Wow. That shows you the difference because we've had the, how the weather has, has lightened the load and we've been able to do the work that's important for our, um, for our constituents in that way. Now, also, so is clearing snow and de-icing. That's important, too. Um, but one of the things to note on, on this is that, um, you know, just de-icer, all of the stuff really does cost money. And so we have to basically build it into the budget as a, con- uh, as a contingency. And then when we don't have to spend it on de-icing or like on a lot of snow plowing this year, right. we can do more things like I was mentioning. Like we've been able to get on to more repair and those kinds of things. We have people driving around looking for potholes. But also if people ha- spot a pothole or they'd like to get it fixed, you can report a concern on the city's website. And um, you go to the How Do I tab on the City of Missoula website. And then at the top, there'll be a menu for reporting a concern. And you can actually identify where a pothole is, request it to be filled. And we try to do that within 24 hours. That's fantastic. Thank With you. the little time we have left, early success, early challenges for Thank you after three months. Early success. We I heard from uh, city council as I was taking office that they wanted to have um, – greater communication um, from the administration and opportunities for greater communication and support amongst themselves. So I've been working with um, incoming President Cheryl, and we have done a few things. We've created uh, information for council to be able to identif- uh, get at information easier so they can respond to their constituents easier. And then we also just changed the city council agenda for the first time in 17 years. We made it so the council business, including public hearings, actually is prioritized up front in the agenda, just so folks like our staff and the public that's there for those public hearings, including consultants that are there, are actually able to have a more predictable time schedule. Last point. How do people get a hold of you? How do people get a hold of me? Phone number 406-552-6001, or you can email mayorstaff at ci.missoula.mt.us. Mayor Davis, what a delightful time as our first-time guest. Are you going to come back next time? I would love to. Next quarter. Let's do a quarterly, Ginny. we got a lot more to talk about. Sounds. We sure do. <laughs> I know. I enjoyed it. Arnie, I'll see you next Sunday. Next Sunday, Scott. Take care. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. 